This is an exclusive presentation of WoWo 1190 AM and 1075 FM, Unholstered. Hey there, we are back. Welcome on in here to Unholstered. I'm glad you're able to hang out with us here this weekend. If you've missed any previous episodes of Unholstered because you were unable to hang out with us, you can download our award-winning podcast anywhere <laughs> you download a podcast. I am one of your hosts, Kayla Blakesley. I'm alongside my co-host, Sophia. Sophia, I say award-winning because we just took home an award here within our company for best podcast for 2022. I know, it's amazing. Um, oh, good morning, everyone. <laughs> First off, my Award name winning, is, did yeah. I mention that? Sophia Rosales-Gatina, I'm a captain with the Fort Wayne Police Department, and welcome to the show on Holster, the award-winning show on Holster. So right. I'm really proud of that. That's a great feat You for know, us. this is this really cool moment happened, and I, I hadn't even told you this happened yet. So our company, so we've got some sister, sister stations up north as well, and then we have a bunch of stations here in Fort Wayne. There's maybe about... 15 to 20 stations overall. And then, of course, we have digital crews. We have salespeople. We've just got a whole promotions team. So there's a lot of folks really in our company that most people aren't aware of. I bet we've probably got anywhere between about 100 and 150 people within Federated Media. So we're all there for this big awards banquet. And our company gives away nine awards, just one for best podcast for the year. And this goes into sales, downloads, talent, all kinds of you know factors go into the winning podcast. And we have 50 podcasts within our company, which I think is a lot. Now, what's cool is they started talking about this winning podcast, and they're talking about policing, and I know I'm the only one with the whole company, <laughs> you know, who has a podcast about policing. And what's so cool, Sophia, is I stood up to accept this award. Now, mind you, there's nine awards. This only happened for one other award. The whole room stood up. And everyone was talking about, you know, rhetoric for law enforcement and echoed a lot of things that we talk about here on the show. And it just made me feel good because, you know, I stood there, I kind of gave a little spiel on stage and I said, you know, I just got so sick and tired of this rhetoric, this negative rhetoric surrounding our law enforcement officers. And everyone just stood up and applauded. They're like, yeah, you go get them. We love it. You know, (laughs) it was so cool. So big shout out to you because you're obviously a big factor in making this happen. Yeah, um, I'm actually humbled by all of that. I love that they gave you a standing ovation for things that we just believe in and what kind of brought about this show and how it kind of came about. So I'm really proud of that. Um, and my friends and family are very proud, too, so I can say I'm award-winning now. That's Yay. right. You are a, a host of an award-winning podcast. That's for darn sure. One, one topic that we've talked a lot about here on the show, it's one of my favorites, is the, the drone technology that you guys have at the Fort Wayne Police Department. We're lucky to have it because not every police department has um, this kind of technology. And we had Chief Reed on near the end of 2022. And he brought up this this new program that you guys are going to be looking into for 2023 that has to do with drones. And I know that's what we're getting in, getting into today. And that's obviously more your topic of expertise and these fellows that you brought on brought on today. Yeah. So Chief Reed was talking about drone as first responder and it's a new program we're launching in 2023. Um, our drone team is well established. They've been here for several years and we're probably one of the premier teams, I will say, in the country. People come here to train with our people or they seek our people oh, out that's cool. for information. So they hold a conference every year that's here in Fort Wayne, usually out at Sweetwater. And they just talk about a lot of things that are affecting uh, policing. And technology is one of those things where you either you're either going to fall behind if you don't have it or you have to keep up with the emerging technology. So that's what we're doing here with Jonas First Responder. So I will let these two gentlemen introduce themselves. Well, first of all. Congratulations on yes. your award. Thank you. <laughs> yes. uh, my name is Matt Rowland, and I am a full-time police officer with the city of Fort Wayne. I'm currently assigned full-time to the air support unit. Mike Hickman. I'm also assigned full-time to the air support unit. 
So air support unit, a.k.a. drones, right? Correct. Yep. Yep. We fly think, the drones. Just make sure we're all on the same page. I think you two might have the coolest job within the Fort Wayne Police Department. Um, I would agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> Wait a minute. I think I have the coolest job because I, I get mean, to do this show. I mean, but yes, that's a she, Yes, you Close do. Second up. to Sophia then. How about that? Second to Sophia. Um, before we really dive in, I just I actually want to start here because this is the number one thing I hear all the time, and I'm sure you guys will not be shocked to this. Oftentimes, I hear feedback whenever we even mention drones on this show, like, Big Brother, you, our Fort Wayne Police Department shouldn't be using these. What would be, and you can both take a shot at this if you want to, what would be your response to people who say that about this technology? I would start with this is not surveillance by any means at all. Yep. Especially this program that we're going to talk about today, Drones of First Responder, it's answering radio calls, calls for service, calls to the desk line other means of how people request the police to come out. So it's not a random patrol. It's it's not that by any means. Yeah, we're using the same drones that you can go buy at the store. I mean, we're not flying around the city for hours at a time like the military does with mm -hmm. the large drones. It's We use them for specific circumstances, and that's it. Right, and, and I want to preface this. It's like I think all of us are really well aware about Constitution and protections that the Constitution affords, and none of us would like to see any of those trampled on. So when we're talking about this technology, they're right. This is specific. This is people call us. We're only we're only responding to calls for service. We're not randomly just flying this drone and looking at stuff and looking at people's stuff and trying to figure out what they're doing or anything like that. We, we don't have that capability because these drones will only last so long on the batteries that they have. So it's not like they're up there for hours, minutes at the most, maybe 10, 20 minutes um, at the most when they have to come back and send up another one because the battery is about to go down. So it's not like... You know, we're out there surveilling everyone all the time, and I think we're all really aware of that, and we don't want to see that happen. How big are they? Like a dinner plate or a much bigger? I mean, how big are we talking? Depends. We have, we're getting some that are... Like a dessert plate. Yeah, like a dessert like plate, okay. and then the one for drone first responder, it's, it's pretty big. It weighs probably 10, 15 pounds. Oh, wow. So wow. it's larger. Yeah. We've utilized these mostly in, um, like, EST call-outs, negotiator call-outs. They've, they've helped us a lot with um, actually like videotaping the apprehension, getting you know where our people are for, for sake of planning stages, those kinds of things. It's kind of scoping out and going places so we avoid officers getting ambushed maybe. Um, they can go into places where our officers uh, can't normally go safely so they can go and check things out for us, make sure that it's okay for us to go into the area, something like that. We've also talked about missing children, those like that. We, we've utilized those in that capacity as well. So they're really a well-rounded tool that we can use to help this community and like I always say I'd rather have the technology and never need it than to not Amen. have it when I need it because if your child is out there lost or kidnapped or anything you're gonna want the best technology that we can have in this city and we have it right now and we're implementing it all right let's talk about how we're implementing it fellas so we got this brand new program uh, drones first responder that's what it's called right yep drone yep. first responder drone first responder how did this come to fruition and what is it so it goes back to the chief had the foresight to want to send drones to radio runs. So in June of 2020, 2021, myself and Sergeant Bratmuller took a site visit to Chula Vista, California. They started their program in 2018 and they used a federal, uh, an FAA special, what was it called? A special, I'm going to get like an exemption. Yeah, they, 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 it was okay. a, basically testing to be able to use drones beyond visual line of sight because the FAA currently says, unless you have a waiver, you have to be able to see the drone when you're flying it. So they had this exemption through the FAA and they were able to fly drones and they just, they had to monitor the airspace around the drones, but they didn't necessarily have to see the drones. Cool. So we went out there and visited, 
we saw how they were doing their program, what they were doing, and then we brought that back to Fort Wayne. We started talking to the chief about considerations that we needed, how how we're going to lay this out, what it looks like with manpower, who's going to do it, where are they going to fly from. I mean, there was a ton of questions about exactly how we were going to lay this out. So we started building small. Um, we were able to add Officer Hickman full-time with the unit to be able to take on most of the brunt of the manpower for it. Um, the waiver now that we have, we have to have a visual observer on the roof where we're flying from. Okay. They're monitoring an airspace bubble of two miles around where the drone is flying. So they don't have to see the drone, but they have to be able to see the airspace around the drone. And so now Officer Hickman, and we've got uh, what we call 90-day temp, where we're rotating an officer in to assist him. And so Officer Hollinger is assisting him right now. And I'll let Mike tell how they're how they're running things. Yeah, so the idea moving forward is that you would have the visual observer on the rooftop, and then you'd have somebody in the dispatch center or uh, like a real-time crime center to fly the drone and monitor the feeds. Right now, starting out, we just have both of us on the rooftop. As this is a new program, we're you know really putting in the procedures and policies that we need to really make it effective and efficient. So we're both running from the rooftop, and we're listening to Live 911, listening to the actual calls as they come in, and as soon as we hear something that we think is worthy of sending the drone to, um, and it's close enough for us, we'll launch the drone immediately, start heading it towards the scene. And on average, we're beating patrol officers by about two minutes. Oh, wow, that's huge. It is huge. And I, I will, I'm gonna kind of circle to this um, incident that we had a couple weeks ago, maybe a week ago. Um, what a colleague came in as a kidnapping um, in the Southwest part of town. And- Don't be telling me that. <laughs> so we, we were talking about, um, live 911 so basically these guys are able to when those calls go into 911 call center they're able to actually hear those right away so they're not waiting for any kind of input they're hearing live feed from the phone calls so what happened was this kidnapping came in one of sergeant brat mueller who is one of my southeast sergeants was working southeast well this run is coming in southwest um, he's listening to that call so he's gaining information so he's like the run was right on the borderline southwest southeast he heard a couple key words that gave him um, information that they were right there on that line, knew where they were, were at, or she thought she was at, because there was a kind of a language thing going on. He gets over to that area, people flag him down, point him to the right direction. He was able to make an apprehension of a kidnapping suspect. Wow. Um, and no one was hurt in the process. That is what listening to live 911 can do for this community. It can save lives. It takes minutes off a data input from the call taker to the dispatcher, then to the officer, and then they got to they got to go. If, um, now, I want to caution everyone that this isn't something that every officer can probably have in their car. I mean, we're just overwhelmed with information, and it, mm -hmm. it takes a lot. Um, so, I think going forward, we'll try and uh, bring this more to some officers, but not everyone will have that capability. Well, that was my next question, Officer Hickman. Uh, you're in charge, kind of, of that manpower. How many officers are capable of doing this? How many drones do we even have? What's the end goal? I want all those numbers. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, it's, yeah, it's a lot to talk about. Uh, so we have two drones that currently do this. Um, we only operate one at a time Okay. Uh, just because of the manpower issue. We have to basically have two people for each drone. Right, because you need the observer and then yep. the actual And then you have to actually have the person flying flyer. the drone. Okay. Uh, so right now we're just running one drone with two people. But the ultimate goal is that we would have drones around the city that we could station strategically, and you would be able to have just one person with that drone. But there's a whole background of legalities with the FAA okay. we have to go through um, 
So yeah, right now it's just one drone for two people. I mean, how many, I, ideally, if you got to wave a magic wand and money and manpower weren't issues, the FAA wasn't a problem, you know, how many oh, ideally for the size of our community would you like to have? So if we go back and we look at Chula Vista, they are 280,000 people about the same size as Fort mm -hmm. Wayne. They're 50 square miles, we're 100 square miles. So they have, you know, a lot denser population. Mm -hmm. They currently have four launching four places where they launch drones from with one teleoperator. So they're able to do it with four. So for us, you would you would think eight might be able to do it. And it just depends on the circumstances too, because as the future comes, maybe you can get that guy off the roof, guy or gal off mm -hmm. the roof. Um, maybe you have a drone that is, you know, sitting up there ready to fly, but it's still got a recharge. So if it does a flight and it comes back, it still has to recharge. So I would say for Fort Wayne, probably eight mm -hmm. would be a minimum. How long do they take at... to charge? Because we've you've both now mentioned the batteries and charging. Uh, well, so the way we do it right now is when the drone comes back, we can do what's called a hot swap. So we just take the batteries out, put it right back in, yeah. put new ones in, and it's ready to go. Okay. Uh, but to actually charge the battery, uh, 45 minutes-ish to an hour, just depending on how, much, how low they go gotcha. percentage-wise. So, okay, you're talking about, too, these radio runs, and, and I think it was you, Officer Hickman, who said it. You said, oh, we, we decipher whether or not this is a run that we're going to go to with the drone. What are some examples of those runs? Uh, well, we kind of hit the gamut. I mean, all across the board, we go to major crashes where there's reported injury or, you know, blocking a major roadway. Uh, we can get up, put the drone overhead, and we can see where traffic's backing up at, trying to redirect it. Um, let officers know where the crash is at, because sometimes people call in and say, hey, we're at this intersection, but they're a block down the street. Mm. Um, we've gone to suspicious people. They get reported around businesses, walking through downtown. Um, just a week ago, we had a report of a guy walking downtown with a samurai sword. So we were able to put the drone up and try and find that guy as he's, you know, walking down That's the alley. Okay. It was, was, it it was a fake samurai okay. sword. Okay. It, was a toy. <laughs> it, was a, it was a pretty bad uh, So fake. good outcome. <laughs> um, but we go to a lot of, you know, suspicious vehicles we can put the drone overhead and if we can potentially disregard an officer because it's not what the person calling in mm -hmm. is reporting um, that's that's the main goal so it, we kind of run the gamut all across the board the yeah. uh, chula vista is actually about 20 to 25 percent of the runs they send the drone to they're able to disregard the uniform car yeah think so of that that quarter a, of the runs the you're disregarding question. that if means you, our officers are freed up to do other things you can and all the money it saves right because you're not paying for you know officers in cars and gas and everything that goes within whatever it costs to have an officer, the drone can do it. And if you can do that a couple of times a day, I mean, that's a that's a savings across the board. How much yeah. do one of these bad boys cost? Uh, the, the drones are about 25,000 a piece, okay. which is, um, I mean, the, the camera's half that. So it has a really good camera on it that you're able to see things from far away, um, get information about vehicles and that kind of thing. But about half the cost of the drone is that camera. Yeah, we can't talk about everything on the drone because I don't want to give away our like super self secrets. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, what are we doing here, Sophia? Yeah. But but um, I do want to add, you know, as we know, look around the country in the last few years, as the ambushes for officers have been up 115. Yeah. percent So if we can use a tool to kind of put eyes on a scene to kind of give us firsthand, hey, what's kind of going on here? Is this kind of look? Does it sound a little fishy? Yeah, let's send the drone up. Let's take a look. 
if they can get there and scope that out for us and kind of prevent something, then I say it's worth every penny that we're paying. Yeah, amen. I'm right there with you. Especially, we, we say that all the time, what if that's your kid? Yeah. What if that's your spouse or yeah. your brother or your sister? And I even think about it just from a first responder point of view, if I'm, if I'm married to you. Uh, of course, I, I want to be able to try to protect you from these ambush situations that are up. I mean, to me, it's a no-brainer. I don't, I guess, yes, I get the whole big brother vibe of what people mean by that. But I have I know we've talked about it a lot, yeah. Sophia. We know that's not how it's being used. Right. And I'm not saying that there aren't some places that right. probably do that. I'm sure there are. I'm sure there are plenty. But they're not. it's not happening here. I think everyone here sitting at this table is consciously aware of those kinds of things. And will do what they can to kind of prevent anything like that that even that even looks like we're doing something like that. What's it like to fly one? Because I'm imagining it like the movies. I'm, I'm envisioning like a PlayStation remote with a little joystick. They have goggles and, like, and oh, yeah. a leather tag. Actually, <laughs> actually, <laughs> PS5 controller. Okay. Yep. I would say the weirdest part about the way this is done is that you can fly from a computer in dispatch, but the drone is, are we okay to say where it's at? Yeah. on Three Rivers Apartments. So that's where the drone's launching from. Okay. And so that's the weird part is, like, you normally have that, when you fly a drone, you normally have that instant, the drone takes off and you can see it. Yeah. Well, now someone else is watching it. It's and kind so of, it's, it's kind of, it's weird. That's weird to me. As we test these things, I mean, the drone will move about Fort Wayne, so it won't always be on the same building. But right now they're in the testing phase. That's where it is. Um, but like I said, businesses around Fort Wayne have been very, very cooperative with what we're doing because they know the benefit that comes from that. We get lots of calls in the downtown area, and if we can check those businesses for them, all the better. Can they fly at night? Yes and no. Okay. So yes, it can fly at night. For the DFR portion, we cannot. The FAA says we can't fly it at night yet. Oh, yet. So yet. maybe. In the <laughs> you future, know, those pesky coming. regulations. Yeah. yeah, I mean, what, what are some of the regulations? Like, what, what's some of the red tape you got to go through? Well, just to be able to get the beyond visual line of sight process took us six months. It was yeah, six. I think maybe like it was eight months. Really, eight months. It was because um, we started writing the the waiver for it, um, and then we had this big meeting with the FAA. There were thirty some people from the FAA in this presentation we had to give about them. You know, our safety case, how we're going to mitigate hitting other aircraft mm. and avoiding people, basically. Um, and then it takes them months to review that and then get back with you with responses. Uh, so that's probably the biggest red tape is just getting that initial waiver to even be able to fly beyond visual line of sight. I wouldn't even feel like hitting another aircraft would be an issue. Is is, is that I'm, around here? It's yeah. not an issue, um, really. Maybe uh, some but birds. You go to places like Chicago, <laughs> yeah. where they have large airports. Uh, Atlanta, you know, the busiest airport in the world. There's airplanes everywhere. Mm -hmm. So places like that, it's an issue. Here, not really. Our airports are kind of spread on yeah, either yeah. side of the city. So it's especially not really I'm thinking about downtown, and I'm just like. Well, yeah, not a lot of traffic through downtown, yeah. but I mean, we do have the, you know, the guard base as well and, you know, and Smithfield. When we mentioned downtown, the, the airspace, the two-mile bubble waiver downtown, from that gets us all the way up to Coliseum. So it's, I mean, it's a little bit more than just downtown that we can get to. It's a pretty good swath. Of yeah, yeah, it's mm -hmm. almost out to Jefferson Point. It's almost, uh, how far did you guys get south? Um, Paulding. Paulding area. Paulding, Paulding Road. Off, yeah. So it's, I mean, it's, we're getting more than just the downtown area as well. So it's it's a pretty big area that this one drone's able to cover right now. So how many how many folks can actually operate them? Is it just you two right now, or how many could do it? Uh, all, all 10 members on our team okay. have been trained to be able to do it. And we'll do a rotation where every 90 days 
So right now it's Officer Hollinger, and then in the next 90 days it'll be another officer, so they'll be able to rotate through. When it comes to this program specifically, though, in these radio calls, is he, for example, just sitting there listening to, to scanner traffic or these radio calls, or is it as someone alerts him? How does that work? So the pilot will ultimately choose okay. what call we're going to go to, uh, but both are listening to live 911. So if he heard something that maybe the pilot didn't hear, he can say, hey, you know, let's, let's fly to this. So it, it really is a team effort as far as listening to calls. And so they're sitting there all day, to. like, listening to this radio traffic? Yeah. Wow. Mentally drained by the end that of the day, level, I'll say I, that. I would, that's a lot would, of calls. That's a yeah. ton of calls. I feel like that would be really, my mental bandwidth would be tapped <laughs> after, like, yeah, three well, hours. 140 for the whole year, so divide that by 365. Which is why then you guys rotate this, right? Uh, I mean, that's just a manpower thing, really, yeah. on the whole rotation. But And it's on four different radio channels, right? Northwest, Northeast. Mm, mm-hmm. So you've got to scan and listen and be paying attention to all four channels. That's when she was talking about Sergeant Bratmuller um, on the attempted kidnapping. He wasn't listening to that channel because he was assigned Southeast. And because he heard that on the on the live 911, that's how he was. It, it got his attention. But without live 911, he may never have I heard that until he saw it on the screen that it was a 104. And obviously that'll get an officer's attention. Yeah. But that's that's one of the things that Live 911 does is it, it grabs your attention maybe to something that's not exactly where you are, but you're close to it because you can geobase your location. Do you feel like these more the more and more of the success stories that you have, uh, like that one, which obviously ended in a success, will help just to build your case to get more? I mean, what are the odds of going from one to two to eventually eight? I would say the odds are really good that, it, that we're going to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, technology, FAA, that kind of thing. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll build on this program, I believe, because it's already, it's already showing successes. Yeah. The loopholes with the FAA surprised me because, I mean, you just said it's not like you're only the police department doing this. You'd think they'd kind of got a nice little package already that you could show up and cross your T's and dot your I's. It's government. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Nothing's ever fast. We're hopeful for uh, what they would call cookie cutter solution. Yeah, that's, that's I feel like for this, you you would think as as more departments ramp up on these kinds of technologies that they'd keep up. Um, with it, but it doesn't appear that they're doing that. No, definitely yet. not. So what's yeah. the next step then for, for Fort Wayne with drones? This program uh, right now is only operating two to three days a week, kind of weather dependent. We're trying to do it as much as we can. Um, and it's operating basically from 10 to six. Um, I would say the future for this year would be to try to get into some kind of uh, five to seven days a week, depending on weather mm-hmm. type of operation. Now, what if someone comes up to you and says, hey, I want to be a part of that program. Hey, I want to learn to fly. Does it work like that? Can can officers we, do that? We have a way of kind of building people up to join the team. Um, so we have what's called an advanced visual observer program where anybody on the department that has their Part 107 certificate to fly a drone um, can sign up for this and, and join us. So if we have a large-scale event that we need extra help, we can actually call them in um, and they can come assist us. And then that's kind of a stepping stone so that when we have interviews and we have open positions, we can kind of look at them and say, hey, they've been a part of the program. You know, they're, they, they're interested in flying drones, yeah. so we can kind of start pulling from that pool. What about them ever being used for, let's just use the Three Rivers Parade Festival shindig that goes on downtown. Even if you're not from here, I'm sure you all have a parade or a festival where you live. Um, could they or would they potentially ever be used just to, to monitor the happenings at this really big festival that we have? We've actually been using them the oh, last two years for the Three Rivers Festival. No kidding. Yeah, we we and we actually work in cooperation because the helicopter's down there, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So we work in cooperation with them to be able to provide the drone for calls for service and incidents that happen uh, at the festival. 
How did both of you get in on this, or what made you both decide, <laughs> hey, I want to be a part of the drones program? So the team started in 2017. Uh, Lieutenant John Bowers, who's retired now, uh, put the concept together. And the initial people that were involved, there was two people that were negotiators and two people that were manned pilots on the department. So I was one of the two negotiators, and Mike's a manned pilot. So the initial four of us is kind of what formed the team, and then they added another patrolman and a sergeant um, for the initial. But did someone come to you guys and say, hey, we want to put together a team? Or like, where did this Yeah, did John out? just come to you? I don't even know that yeah. story. Yeah. John asked me, said, hey, we're putting this this program together. Do you want to be a part of it? Yeah, because he knew he, was a pilot, he had a pilot's license right. already. Yeah. yeah. So it just made sense. And then, then I was on the negotiating team, and he asked me and another negotiator that were, I think, more technical savvy. Yeah, highly was. technologically savvy, not just like <laughs> I would say exactly. that didn't yeah. ask me. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah you He's would have been trying on the to team figure out her iPhone. Yeah. I am, I am. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's really cool. I think we're really lucky to have it. How many de police departments across the country do you think have something like this? The DFR program, uh, we believe, is still, I want to say the last numbers I heard was like maybe... It's below a hundred, I think. Yeah. Oh no, kidding! Yeah. So there really are. Um, I want to. I wanna maybe. I don't. I don't know the exact number for sure because there's a lot of programs that are working on building their programs, um, but I think it's less than a hundred, and we believe that we're the first one in the state. I, okay, so that's going to be my, my next question, really quick, because we're up against the clock. Is does any other department within the state have them? Mm. Which apparently no. So do you get calls like from Indy or Evansville, like, hey, can you bring your drone down? Um, they come up and they see our program. I see. So I've got. Probably three or four departments right now that are that are wanting to schedule a time to come and and to see our program, to see what we're doing. Yeah, and that's what it is. It's a community. Policing is a yeah. community, so we help each other out when we can, and we share our technology, share our information, share our knowledge. You know, that's really cool because you talk about that a lot. And in fact, you guys were just talking about, oh, hey, we traveled here to learn about this program. Uh, we had the. Um, the chaplain's program, we know, it was traveled out of state. So let's go learn about that and bring the knowledge back. In my line of work, fellas, it doesn't work like that um, at all in the media. People don't seem to be as helpful, uh, you know, in other organizations across the country. Um, not that there aren't some that are, but I think that's really remarkable about police departments. At least so far, everything we've talked about here, Sophia, it's, I, I'm, you're... Um, the dog program, the canine officer unit. I know you guys learned about that in Florida. Like everything, it's like you're you're pushing and pulling and taking from each other. And I think that's really great, like you said, sense of community on such a broader scale. It is. And we're really grateful that we have a community that allows us to do that. Because there's some communities that don't, you know, take their police departments seriously. They don't fund them. They don't you know, respect them, but I'm glad we live in a community where we have that respect from our community. We have a high standard and a high expectation, but they also put money behind yeah. that so we can actually have these kinds of programs. What a cool program. I can't wait to hear how it develops and grows. When it does that, guys, you'll have to come back in. If you want to follow us, we're on Instagram at FWPDASU. Uh, yes, we do. FWPDASU. <laughs> yes. I am on it. And if you want to continue following Unholstered, you can download the Unholstered podcast anywhere you download a podcast. Your town, your team, your topics. This is Unholstered. Thanks for listening to Unholstered. Be sure to subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you listen. And remember, you can listen every Saturday morning at 1030 on WoWo 1190 and 1075 FM. Podcasts by Federated Media.